future probabilities. This future is never set in stone. There is no such thing as destiny. Free will is an absolute, but we do have likelihoods. Jumbo fellow adventurer, it's Mike Dooley here to remind you of how powerful you are and how much you deserve by sharing last week's spiritual tune-ups. These are live broadcasts Monday through Friday, each lasting 5 to 15 minutes, where I answer viewers' questions, bringing lofty metaphysical concepts down to earth for your immediate traction. You were born to succeed. You are pushed on to greatness every single day. Your positive thoughts are at least 10,000 times more powerful than your negative thoughts. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy a week's worth of spiritual tune-ups. John Bo, fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley, and it's time for a spiritual tune-up. Great question on deck today. Mike, are premonitions manifestations? The question stemming from the time or two that we've all experienced where we kind of get a hit, like something might happen, and then it happens. Are we creating that thing that happened? Not in the way the question supposes. So the answer is no, absolutely not. We are both 24-7 receivers and 24-7 transmitters. Okay, We're everywhere always at once, as I have often shared. We are the eyes and the ears of God Almighty come alive in the dream of life. And therefore, we are connected to every eventuality, every possibility, every human being, every mote of dust every sentient tree as if some weren't sentient right so we are receiving and transmitting all the time what's the difference intention intention and it is when we hold thoughts with the intention the expectation the optimism the wonder that we might see them come to pass those are our manifestations. When we receive something, those lack intention. They just land in our lap. They just show up all of a sudden. What are these? These are peaks into future probabilities. Future probabilities. This future is never set in stone. There is no such thing as destiny. Free will is an absolute, but we do have likelihoods. It is very, very likely, although all things are possible, that I'm going to continue speaking here, looking at my webcam and cell phone uh, for another minute or two. Extremely likely, high probability. It is extremely unlikely that I will just get up and, and walk out of the room. All things are possible. The same is true in your day to day, your week, your month, your year, your lifetime. There are probabilities. And of course, we have the ability to tune in to probabilities. And we tune in not only to likely probabilities, but if there was curiosity in our minds, to unlikely probabilities. So because you receive a hit, you receive an idea of something that might happen, does not mean it's a premonition 
in the sense of a window into something that is going to happen. Does not mean that at all. We can, we can receive all kinds of images, all kinds of sensory perception. Our nighttime dreams and our daydreams can often help us sort out tension, anger, problems, conflict. And suddenly we get a daytime hit from a nighttime dream. Does that mean it's a premonition? Does that mean it's a probability? Not necessarily at all. So do not jump to conclusions because you receive a premonition that this is a likely future probability and you must not act now to avert it or to accelerate it or whatever. Intention rules. What you want to do is with your receivership abilities, some have it, some have developed them more than others. You want to reflect. You want to internalize. You want to ask questions. How come? What if? Maybe. Good? Not so good. You want to formulate it, mix it in with your logic and intuition, and perhaps consider things that you never would have thought of otherwise had this premonition not gifted itself to you. And perhaps that's its only reason for showing up in your life, to help you think thoughts that you, mortal you, ego-driven, would not have thought of any other way. That's all it is. It's not like, oh, now this is going to happen. How do I avert it? So premonitions are very different uh, than manifestations or thoughts held with the intention to bring about manifestation. Pay attention to them, ask about them, weigh them, consider them, wonder what their inner message is. Decipher them. Give it a shot. Do some journaling. Maybe you're just working out a problem you had with your mom um, and it has nothing to do with what might manifest in the future, but by working it out, you're going to have better relationships with other people later on. So don't jump to conclusions. Don't be afraid. Self-reflect. Um, if anything is going on in your life or moving in a direction that you're not thrilled with, then the way you manifest, you change the picture in your mind to that which you most want in terms of the end result, not how you're going to get there. You feel it, you anticipate it. And when you're done visualizing, you move in that direction. Great question. We are receivers and we are transmitters. The difference with what becomes the things and events of our lives are the intentions that are attached to the thoughts we pick up or send out. Jumbo fellow adventurers and great question about long-term, short-term planning, deadlines, getting the universe involved, where to begin. Mike, we should manifest the end result, but what timeline should we think of the end result to be? How far ahead should we think the goal should be? Uh, I'm, I'm helping them with their English, I think. Uh, we might have a goal we think will take 30 years, so should we have sub-goals of five years, 10 years, etc.? cetera? Um, there's a lot of presumptions in that question. And there ought to be a lot of presumptions when coming from our old school approach to creating change. Timelines, deadlines, they're very, very relevant. But when it comes to life's magic, the universe only has one speed as soon as possible. You think it, it's pressing it out to you. It's just a matter of all of your other beliefs, desires, fears lining up to permit it to come into your life. 
So what I advocate is generally speaking, when it comes to deadlines, you can put them on yourself like I do as a writer. Okay, I'm gonna write one chapter, rough draft, every 21 days, uh, and it's gonna go you know, for the next seven chapters, and then I'm gonna consolidate. I never put a deadline on the universe. I never put a deadline on the magic, because putting deadlines on the magic, you are on a slippery slope, and the one of the worst things that could come from it is you damage your own confidence in the universe's otherwise unfailing abilities. Let me give you some examples really quick. But first I want to tell you a story. When I was in my teenage years, long ago, um, I had an uncle visiting from London, um, my, my mother, his sister, and I was always so inspired by his international globe-trotting life. And the first time I put together a scrapbook for vision boarding to help me do creative visualization was right out of college because then my life seemed to be teetering on the brink. I couldn't get a job. I was a college graduate. It was like I was driven by fear to start doing some creative visualization with a scrapbook, pictures in the scrapbook of places I would go, things I would have, um, the life I would lead. And because of my uncle's inspiration to me, I would put pictures of foreign destinations. And one of those destinations was Hong Kong. And I remember literally thinking in my early 20s, one day when I really grow up and I'm like my uncle and my uncle's age, late 40s, early 50s, <clears throat> maybe then I will have an international lifestyle. That was me in my naivety, thinking it would take a couple of decades to have an entrepreneurial lifestyle that could lead me abroad. Two years after putting together that scrapbook, I was living in the Middle East unexpectedly, working for Price Waterhouse, doing tax returns for Americans working abroad in the whole Middle Eastern region. Uh, tech companies, defense companies, oil companies, etc. And on my first home leave, I booked a round-the-world ticket and I spent about five days in Hong Kong, completely forgetting my scrapbook and what I had done. And I'll never forget the morning when I looked up from over my coffee through the two-story plate glass windows in front of me at the Regent Hotel in Kowloon. And I saw before me the exact same view of Hong Kong Island that I had cut and pasted into my little scrapbook just two years earlier when I was thinking, best case, I'll be here in 20 years. The universe only knows fast. Do not give the universe a 30-year deadline. The universe might be able to do it in three months or three years. Um, do not limit an otherwise unlimited universe. Let me give you another scary example of, but let, let me just side segue here. You're so inclined to succeed. You're so inclined to succeed, even when you do this stuff wrong, even when you have deadlines and you shouldn't have deadlines, you're often still surprised because you dreamed and you kept on living your life. That's it. Dream, dance, dream, dance, dream, show up in the world. That's what I did. And the universe is like, forget your 20 years. I'm going to give it to you in two years. 
So you don't even have to get it right. But if I had really hunkered down and thought it would take 20 years, maybe 30 years, I would have just been pushing it away from me if I had done that excessively and not continued to live my life to the best of my ability. Um, so the universe only knows ASAP. And here's the other scary thing that can happen when you put a deadline on the universe. Let's say hypothetically you're really impatient. Right now it's what? It's uh, June 2021. And you say, okay, universe, I want to live in wealth and abundance, have a million dollars by year end, December 31, 2021. And the universe is like, oh my God, I love you so much. I'm going to totally be able to do this. But your mom's going to be sick. You've got that other big dream coming true that's going to kind of create a march into your fairy tale existence. And I've got to juggle these things just right. So I cannot do it, dear beloved, on December 31. I can do it on March 12th, just two months, a week and a half later. You don't hear that conversation. You don't know of the probability, nothing set in stone, that your mom or a loved one might be sick. You don't know where you might be temporarily derailed so that you can later blast forward. You don't know about these other big dreams coming true. And maybe you've got a fear or two that the universe is helping you settle down with so that it can be removed as an obstacle on your path. You don't know any of that. You just naively say a million dollars by December 31. And you burn your bridges and you tell all of your friends, but it can't happen given all of the other dreams and fears and desires you've got going on in your life, given the world and upheaval, rising and falling currencies and economies, the universe is keeping tabs on all of that. The universe is like, I got you, man. March 12th is your big payday. But you don't hear that. How are you going to feel on January 1 when your big payday hasn't paid out? January 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th, nothing changes you will likely be so demoralized drawing false conclusions that you're broken, that you don't believe in yourself, that you can't do it, that the universe abandoned you, that you self-sabotage, that this is karma, that this is your stars, that's not meant to be. Your optimism and confidence will go so low after that seeming defeat that now March 12th, is no longer an option. You so utterly, totally don't believe in yourself. And otherwise it was an automatic. So put deadlines on your own efforts to give yourself a guide, but never put deadlines on the, the universe or the magic. It knows ASAP. It's pressing it to you right now. You have no idea of the innumerable ways your big dreams can come true quicker than you can now comprehend. But sometimes a, a long-term goal can push it away from you. Now, when it comes to long-term dreams, I was thinking about this. I would almost say, don't even go there. Why, why do you want to dream 30 years away, 20 years away, 10 years away? Dream now. Have long-term considerations. You know, live for today's happiness and your future happiness. Don't do something in terms of short-term gains today. You know, like go get drunk and commit problems and create stuff that's going to boomerang back at you long-term. You know, have your house in order. 
Think short term, think long term, but mostly your dreams are going to be here and now and mostly your dreams are going to be joy, happiness, wealth, friends, laughter, fulfillment, creativity. Who needs a 30 year goal? Now I know maybe you're in college or maybe you're a kid. You're going to have those kind of goals. Maybe you want to have children one day. Preserve those options. Maybe you want to have a long-term relationship one day. Preserve those options. You know, act with consideration to those things. Don't put yourself in a, in a box or a prison cell or something that's going to make that impossible. But that's different than having a 10, 20, 30-year goal. Now, th there's nothing wrong. There's a lot of wiggle room with saying, you know, in 5 years, 10 years, 20 years, I'm going to be a millionaire, a billionaire, a trillionaire, you know. You can do that. You'll, you'll still succeed. It's going to be okay. But it's not as fundamentally important as generally we've been taught to think that we must have short-term, medium-term, long-term sub-goals. You know, as I've laid it out in this entire mini-man um, tune-up, I think you can kind of sense that, that it's all good. The universe wants for you what you want for yourself. Uh, short-term and long-term, you take care of today. You take care of the short term. You know, get your education and your financial um, foundation taken care of. And you're going to be cruising. You're going to be soaring. You're going to be loving your life. It's going to be so good. You might as well start enjoying it right now. Nothing will grease the wheels better than your joy today. Jumbo fellow adventurer, it's Mike Dooley. Time for another spiritual tune-up where I remind you that your thoughts become things and help you with some tips and tricks to get your groove on and have traction in this Garden of Eden where we live our amazing lives. Today's question, is it bad to read our goals every day? Mike, when we put our thoughts, our wants, our dreams on paper, is it, does it work against us? to read it every day? Are we doing damage um, as in pushing it away from us? Okay, this person's pretty well um, read uh, and has a good understanding on metaphysics and the nature of reality. The concern is by reinforcing the lack, which is what we do when we want, we want, we yearn, we yearn. I wish I had this thing, dear God, help me. You're reinforcing that it's not there. And like my dear friend Sarah Landon says, she channels the council. Check out sarahlandon.com. We don't get what we need. We don't get what we want. We get more of what we are. And if what you are is this pulsating, feeling energy of, I want, I want, I don't have, I don't have, you perpetuate it. So, it depends on the feeling, however. This does not mean don't want stuff. This does not mean you can't create change. There's a trick coming up at the end of this little broadcast. But what matters most is the feelings that you have all the time. I'm going to turn off your cell phone here, okay? Your little beeper. That's mine. Um, so what's important is is the feeling and somebody else asked a very similar question that ties in um, to this point of pushing it away. Mike, according to Esther Hicks, who channels Abraham, if you're feeling the absence of something, 
it's the wrong time to visualize yourself in possession of the thing you want to manifest, right? If you're feeling the absence of something, which is why you want it, it gets to be a little bit tricky, but boy, do I have a good workaround for you. Uh, the point here being made by Abraham, channeled through Esther Hicks, again, is if the feeling is absence, um, you are at risk of perpetuating it. And so they're saying, I don't know if these are their words or not. Uh, I don't generally read or follow Esther Hicks. It sounds exactly like the stuff that I share myself. We all have our own ability to draw truth down to us. And I don't like to sound like other people, so I couldn't uh, vouch for what they're saying here. But the, the validity makes a lot of sense. So if you're in that zone of broken brokenheartedness, that's not the best time to do creative visualization. But if you can be in that zone of, I don't have it, but I'm going to get it and I know how to do it and let's have some fun here. I'm doing creative visualization or I'm going to write down my goals and I'm going to look at them every day and remind myself of where I'm going because man, I live in this paradise where I'm pushed on to greatness every single day. That's a whole different feeling. So there is a place for yearning and desiring, wanting and wishing. But it needs to be coupled with an absolute belief in the inevitability of its arrival because you're going to do what you can with what you've got through desiring and envisioning the end result. And then you're going to be able to create that sense of I am, I am, I am. This is what you want. This is solid gold. Then your feelings are in alignment with possession and you shall soon be in possession. This is also why a vision board or creative visualization or pictures on your refrigerator or on your bathroom mirror of things you want that you don't yet have. If they put a smile on your face, they guide your wandering mind to where you want to be. And if they're guiding it to where you want to be and you're feeling a sense of joy about it, vision boards, scrapbooks, pictures on your bathroom mirror are rocket fuel for faster manifestations. But if you look at your vision board and be like, oh, look at me here and that's where I want to go, not a good time. Not a good time to be even going there. Try to be happy in the moment and let, that, let those doldrums pass. Okay, so here is my supercharged tip of the day based on what we've just covered. Gratitude. Not gratitude because God's watching and he wants to see if you're grateful, but, but gratitude because you live on the plane of manifestation, which is a judgment-free zone. Nobody's glad that you're grateful. Nobody's pissed off if you're not grateful. Nobody gives a flying yahoo if you're grateful. But if you're exuding gratitude, that's synonymous with I have received, I have received. Even if you haven't received it yet, you're putting that out there. The only way those thoughts can become things is if you do receive. So when there's something missing in your life, something that you want to add to your life, something that you're painfully aware of that's not in your life, start expressing gratitude that it's in your life as if it was in your life, even as you look at your list of goals, even as you look at your vision board, even through creative visualization, just thank you, thank you, thank you. Give thanks for what you have and it multiplies. Not because there's judgment, 
because you're putting that vibe out there. I am, I am, I've received, I've received. You get more of what you are. And if you give thanks for that which you don't have, but as if you had it, the only way that energy, those feelings can come to pass, be made flesh, thoughts become things, is if you ultimately do receive in all of your thoughts, including joyful thoughts of gratitude, strive to become the things and events of your life. So whatever it is you want in your life right now, give thanks that it's there. Give thanks that it's already there, as if it was already there, even though it's not there. Just get in that zone of like, I have received. Thank you. Hallelujah. Baby Jesus, I'm on your side. Jumbo fellow adventurers, it's Mike Dooley. Time to dive into the fray of COVID passports. To have or not to have. To be or not to be. This is a really hot button topic right now. And I think I'm going to be able to kind of play both ends to the middle to give both sides something to think about. That is my heartfelt desire right now. It is a little simpler um, than we're making it out to be. Although right now, science and evidence are kind of hanging in the balance. And it's really hard to know whether we're on the mend or on the verge of seeing things get worse. So here are the considerations five considerations for you to take to heart, to swirl in your mind as you doze off, walk the dog, or or whenever it is you let thoughts swirl in your mind. By the way, thanks for the questions. This one is Mike, please speak to COVID passports. The first thing that anyone and everyone ought to do, no matter what your nationality, is to truly see the predicament. Okay, what's going on? Why are there these discussions? And you've got to use science, because it's pretty much all we have, and evidence as your guide. Okay, and the science and the evidence are still being collected right now. So we can't really call that shot today in most quarters. But to anyone who once thought and maybe still thinks that COVID is the flu, the science has proven this is wildly more contagious than the flu and wildly more deadly than the flu. Now, I know that's debatable, and I'm not saying go get a passport and that we should do passports. But please, we've got to see the simple truths that are being laid bare uh, and being reacted to by every government on the planet, both from the left political spectrum and the right political spectrum. There's something going on here that has been humongous. Not that we've dealt with it properly, but we need to respect and honor that this is a place we have never been to before. And so whitewashing it with something like, oh, we can never do this or we should never do that is extremely naive. We must see the predicament as it stacks up in terms of science and the evidence that supports that science, okay? There's a lot of science out there with no evidence. Um, that's not science. That's, um, that's uh, uh, opinion news channels, okay? So first, see the problem. And no, you don't know where this is going, so please don't think I've picked sides here. Number two, if, as we're seeing now, we are on the cusp of achieving what medis medicine calls herd immunity and ill and or if for unknown reasons perhaps the 
virus, COVID, is in the retreat, is scaling down. Now, you might say this is because of vaccinations, and you may well be right. There is evidence to support that. But the point is, if we're approaching herd immunity, and we're really literally on the cusp of it, might be happening you know, any month right now, and or the disease, the virus is on the retreat, then absolutely no way in the world should we go near a COVID passport. Because for obvious reasons, it's going to drive a huge wedge between an already segregated global population. And it doesn't matter if it's the vaccine that brought us here. If we've achieved herd immunity, and right now the risks are receding, if, I'm not saying that is the case, but if that's where we're at, or in three weeks or in three months, we see that that's where we're at, then no way should we go there. And if those who didn't get a vaccine are benefiting because of those who did, that's just hyperbole and hypothetical, so be it. We do not want to go to a place where we have more rules and more laws. If, on the other hand, we continue to have flare-ups, we do not approach herd immunity, the virus is not receding, then we must seriously consider what our options are and I would say we would then move forward recognizing the severity of the predicament with extremely tempered rules with regard to passport issuance with built-in safeguards and expiration dates, whether it be a year or five years or 10 years, I don't know, whatever the science would say. 10 years seems a bit extreme. Obviously, these kind of government programs are hard to undo for the best of reasons, because people want to ensure that their citizens are covered, but they can be taken advantage of. If we find we're not at herd immunity and the disease is not retreating, then we need to discuss in a much more public domain the possibilities for a passport or the like with built-in safeguards, extremely tempered, uh, and an option to have it expire. That's number three. Number four, I also believe if time allows, and this is a big if and it's not known if it can happen, I also believe if time allows, there ought to be some type of voting mechanism by popular vote in the parts of the world where a COVID passport is being considered so that the individuals can decide whether or not they want it and not just the politicians. Because too often, bizarrely, even in the democracy, politicians don't always represent the majority. So if we can have the individuals make that decision and, and, and factor in on the safeguards and the limited nature of a passport, then I think we need to do a popular survey, a popular vote. I know there's a word for that, but it's been escaping me all day. And then number five, and this is what I think is most missing. And this is what I think is uh, an unfortunate reflection of kind of where we are as a society right now. If we need to move in these directions, and we're going to have to rely, based on a popular vote, to get the government involved, we need to do it with trust. We need to trust our brothers and sisters, our fellow citizens, aka 
the government. I know that governments historically, whether it was Nazi Germany or those who imposed the Jim Crow laws in the United States, have done horrific misdeeds, culpable for murder and mayhem. But as a note from the universe once said, the more you distrust others, life, entities, whatever, the more you distrust, the more you attract the untrustworthy. I know that goes against everything our physical senses have taught us. I know that goes against a lot of specific examples in the world to this day where governments have done vile, horrible things. But today is not yesterday. And tomorrow is going to be better than today. And we are on an upward spiral into the light, into truth, into transparency, recognizing that everyone, no matter which side of the political spectrum they're on, no matter how extreme their views, in their own way is doing their best to make the world a better place. I know that hurts to believe, but it is almost always true. And yes, it's used to commit offenses, but more often it's used to do good. And so if we can begin trusting one another and we can begin realizing that everyone's values for freedom are equally important. And while you might find a COVID passport um, infringing on your freedom, if you decide not to get one, what about the other people who are afraid of the, the, uh, the infringement of death and mayhem caused by a disease that is going unchecked. If more people, more people's freedoms are limited by a rampant, highly contagious disease, then are people who are afraid of not being able to enjoy their life because they're not getting a COVID passport, then these folks, the majority, need to prevail. It's just as simple as that. Uh, anyway, so I, I hope I've walked both lines uh, carefully, and I hope I've given you food for thought. That's all I ever want to do. You get to make all these kind of decisions for yourself. But the last point is the one I would really like to leave you with. If we operate thinking that the government is the enemy, while they have often been the enemy, then we will continue to perpetuate the fact that they are the enemy. They're not the enemy. In fact, you can go run for a political office right now and you ought to do it. And you ought to hear every side of every equation. Begin with love. Begin with trust. See the predicament that we're facing. Maybe you're not facing it, but other people are facing it on both sides of the spectrum. To have a passport or not to have a passport. To have the disease or not to have the disease. Everyone's doing their best. If we cooperate instead of compete... We will go so much farther, faster, more harmoniously, loved and in love. Jumbo fellow adventurers and happy fry, yay. Hope you're doing great, ready for uh, an awesome weekend. I'm Mike Dooley. Every day I host a live broadcast on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, called a spiritual tune-up to help bring metaphysical ideas down to earth so that you can have traction and thrive as the spiritual gladiator of love and joy that you truly are. Today's question is a little bit on the heels of yesterday's question where I spoke to the considerations for whether or not there ought to be a COVID passport. 
And truly, it's not a yes or no answer. It still brought out some strong opinions, as you might expect, um, but pretty tempered for the most part, and I appreciate that very much. Some people felt like um, I had an agenda, um, and that's okay. You can think that I have an agenda. But the greater underlying theme, if you will, that could be seen in the replies was the divisiveness that I've spoken to before that has gripped the world at this really unique time in the evolution of our consciousness as we move from the darkness into the light, where there's fear on one side and love on the other. And most ironically, everybody feels like they're on the love side and the other folks are on the fear side. Well, there is a truth in all situations. Sometimes it's a little uh, fuzzy and slippery, but if you're being motivated by love, you will always get to that place eventually. So the question that was asked uh, a few weeks ago was more pertaining to personal relationships, but it has total application to the divisiveness I just spoke to. Uh, Mike, why do good people still experience heartbreak conflict? Mike, when you are so clear on your vision and have such awareness of all the possibilities, they're speaking of themselves, I trust, how could you ever have relationships that don't work? How is it that good people with other good people still experience heartbreak? I see so many people in relationships where they are not getting what they really want or need and they end up being hurt. Couple of things going on in this question, uh, and one of which, which may be escaped you, is that this applies to good people. Everyone is doing their best. And as my mom used to accurately point out, some people have a pretty poor best. Okay, but in their own way, they're doing their best. There's not good people and bad people. Sorry. Everyone is here as a spark of God, moving closer to the light, and some are much closer than others right now, but everyone's doing their best. Yet, anybody, and in, in, in by any estimation, until they are really close to the light, have unintended manifestations, have surprise setbacks, have broken hearts. And I think this speaks very clearly to the fact that just because you're doing your best doesn't mean you're moving in truth. You know, look at the political divide. One side in some instances is closer to truth. The other side in other instances is closer to truth. But yet that doesn't make for a, a happy adventure. Um, only in truth. Are you able to see that love is everything? Only in truth do you realize competition is never a great idea, does not compare to cooperation. I'm not talking about socialism. I'm not talking about capitalism. I'm talking about seeing everybody as a brother and a sister. Only in love do you realize that your happiness will in fact, to some degree, depend on the happiness of those you love. You can't be making gains at the expense of others and wonder why things aren't working out. That degree of confusion pushes you further away from the light of truth and suddenly you've got ramifications, ricochet, backfire, fall down, get back up and wonder what's going on because you meant so well. 
There's a quote that I've shared in an earlier tune-up that I read in a Ken Carey book. Something to the effect of, when you are finally motivated more by the love you naturally feel for life, aka for other people included, when you are naturally motivated by love more than you're motivated by fear for self, Love for others, fear for self. Or you could just say, when you're naturally motivated by love more than you are by fear, suddenly great gains begin happening. Suddenly you stop seeing yourself as you and the world versus the world. It's you as one with the world. You start seeing yourself as is described by many um, yogis through transcendental experiences that they no longer are able to determine where they end and the rest of the world begins because it's just them and more of themselves. There's only you and more you. And when you can make decisions politically, um, romantically, um, health-wise, COVID, passports, and you're taking into account other people's freedoms and other people's needs and desires to grow and to bloom, well, then you know you're on the love side. Um, and it's not enough to say, oh, the other people aren't taking care of me. You can only take care of yourself right now. And how much in your equation of deciding whether or not there should be a COVID passport or higher taxes or greater services or more charity, how much of your decision in your definition of ideals, high ideals, are you considering your love for life? your love for other people, that love that's going to come pouring back to you because as other people thrive, you too will thrive. This is what's going on because people are innately good does not mean they're innately operating in truth. And when you're not operating in truth, you have unintended manifestations. So the, the onus, the burden, the joy, to put it better, is on all of us to self-reflect how else can I be considerate? How else can I be politically correct? It's a side note here. But all the criticism that went towards being politically correct, you know, four or five years ago, do you remember that? It's like political, cor political correctness is kindness. Political correctness is consideration. Being woke. You know, this is a thing right now. Are you being... Are you too woke? Are you so woke that you're imposing on other people? What is woke but consideration and kindness? Yeah, okay, I know you're going to throw some tomatoes at that one. But uh, honestly, what is wokeness but a reconciliation and a realization that things have not been working so well for other folks? And, and if it worked out for you, you're like, oh, just let bygones be bygones and let's not focus on divisions. But if you were in the other camp, come on. There needs to be an acknowledgement of what went wrong so that it doesn't go wrong again. So your degree of considering the desires and the loves and the freedom of other people as well as your own, and you mix all that together, will reveal whether or not you're on the side of love and or of fear. And there's still room for all of us to do self-reflecting and see how else we can shine our light, and improve uh, the lots of other folks at the same time.
Well, there you have it, fellow adventurer. Thanks for listening to this most recent installment of Spiritual Tune-Ups. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a few seconds to rate it on the podcast service you're using right now. It makes a big difference in helping more people find us. And of course, if you want daily reminders of life's magic and your power, please sign up at tut.com for my free Notes from the Universe emails. Tally ho!